I can do what it says I can do. Therefore, I care less this morning what my situation says, what the devil says. I am what the Bible says I am. And I'm ready for the word of God to experience the touch of the living God in every area of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, Amen. Take your seats in the presence of God. Father, we thank you this morning once again for the privilege of sitting around your table and being fed by your word. I thank you, Lord, that our lives will never be the same again after this word. I thank you for enlightening us in the area of relationships, that our love life, our family life, our marriage life will never be the same again. I thank you for the light of the spirit that shines in our hearts, your light of the word that brings so much life that we will never be in the dark again. And I rebuke the spirit of interruption and interference that as your word is taught, he shall not interfere. And we give you glory and honor for this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Amen. Somebody say, I'm ready, Pastor. I'm ready. I the other day, and I noticed how I don't pay attention when the flight attendant begin to demonstrate demonstrating how you're gonna come out of the plane if ever there's an emergency demonstrating how you're gonna put on the oxygen mask should there be no oxygen in the plane and notice how I don't pay attention and the reason why I don't pay attention is because I've been in the plane a couple of times not to boast but to demonstrate a certain point that the fact that I've been in the plane a couple of times I got used to that voice I got used to that message to a point where I don't pay attention anymore. But if you were to ask me, where is your life jacket? I don't remember. If you were to ask me how to put on the oxygen marks, I don't remember. Because I have gotten used to the voice of the flight attendant. To a point where I don't pay attention anymore to whatever instructions she's giving to all the passengers in the flight. Is somebody hearing me this morning? The same applies to this course. Some of us are saying, but pastor, you're wasting our time. We want to hear about Jesus. We just want to hear about the cross. We just want to hear about the Bible and the word of God. Trust me, what you'll be hearing this morning is the word of God. And once again, I want you to know that your relationship life has much to do with God. And your relationship life, unless it's in good order, you will struggle even in your walk with God. So you better listen. And you better pay attention to the word of God. Somebody say, I'm ready, pastor. And it is meant to encourage those who are struggling in relationships, even those who have failed in certain areas of marriages. We're here to encourage you. And I want to encourage you that it is still worth doing it again. Take those notes. Look forward to life. And believe that love is your portion. True love is waiting for you and there is someone that God is preparing for you. Never give up on love. As Betty got married the other day, I think she's over 50 or 55 or 53, whatever that, 52 years old, at 52, got married. I say at 52, getting married. Is somebody hearing me this morning? It's still possible. That you can still find your love and true love at that age. Amen. 
So therefore, the entire series is not meant to judge you, but to guide you and to enlighten you and to encourage you in the ways of relationships. May I also say that marriage is the most beautiful institution that God has ever created. As a matter of fact, it is the, it is the only thing that reciprocates or that kind, kind of demonstrates to us the love of God for the church. If you want to understand how God loves the church, look at the marriage institution. It was designed to demonstrate God and his people. Is somebody hearing me? The first wedding that was ever conducted was conducted by God himself. He was the only attendant of the wedding. And Adam and Eve were the recipients of the instructions of that wedding. And therefore, a marriage is the most important thing in our lives. It is the foundation of a family and even the nucleus of a society. All society is formed by families and families are formed by marriage according to the word of God. When you see a couple celebrating 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, even 2 years, you must really clap for those people. Marriage is not a simple thing. Marriage is a place of endurance, of perseverance, of understanding, and of humility. If you are a man full of pride, you will not survive in marriage. Last year, we talked about the 10 character traits that are not compatible with marriage. And therefore, when you see a couple celebrating 25 years, they are not just celebrating marriage. They are celebrating commitment, resilience, love beyond and irrespective of. It is a story of triumph over struggles and pain and even joys. Hallelujah. There is no couple that's married for 25 years that has never had a challenge. Every marriage, if you see a marriage over 5, 10, 15, 20 years, that marriage has been tested. And I've always mentioned the five tests of a marriage. Five tests of a marriage, which is part of the basic teaching, but we'll teach it in more de details in the marriage seminars. Every marriage goes through five tests in life. Everyone that you see married for 10, 20 years, they've been tested in these tests. And many doctors talk about even 14 tests or 14 storms of marriages, but I speak about these five. Number one, fidelity test. Somebody say fidelity test. All marriages, not just even marriage, even a relationship before you even marry. This is one big test. There will be intruders. There will be proposals. There will be people who look like your wife who can present better things than your wife. There will be people who look like your husband or who can present better things than your husband. And it's always a test of your integrity and commitment to that marriage. All marriages, not one, all marriages, and not just husbands and not just wives. All the people who are in any marriage will one day be tested by the devil in their thinking whether they still want to continue with that marriage. Is somebody listening? The second test is a money test. Money test. Every marriage is tested by either the lack of money or the abundance of money. Where there is a lack of money, the lady's commitment is tested. And where there is abundance of money, the man's commitment is tested. And it's, these are two opposites. Men are tested by the abundance of money. Women are tested by the lack thereof. But all marriages are tested with this. So if you have a lot of money, you will be tested by the fact that there's a lot of money in the house. Yeah. And if you have no money, you will also be tested by the fact that there's no money in the house. Yeah. 
Vela Kayaka and Naguna Sakuja and Karaluk Samanganama, Lenuramina, Angako Nakun Shavela. Praise the Lord. I have a lot to teach, so I don't want to be carried away in that. There's also what we call differences test. A lot of celebrities, whenever they divorce, they will talk about irreconcilable differences that we have. We are just different. We, we have different opinions. We have different aspirations. We just don't see eye to eye. We have different visions. We don't just see things the same way. This is one big test that every marriage goes through. How you look at things, how you see things should be done, how children should be raised. My children should be raised this way. No, my children must be raised this way. My money must be used this way. No, our money must be used this way. Those differences, if you don't deal with them, they can break your marriage. Number four, parenting test. Parenting test. And this is not only a test as far as parenting is concerned. It's also the pregnancy test itself. How pregnancy will change the body of your beautiful wife. Yeah. I like that clip that Joy put the other day. Yeah. 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 We imagine with pregnancy and see what pregnancy does to a woman's body. And whether you're willing to stand that. And only matured men understand that whatever happens to a woman's body through pregnancy, those are hallmarks of victory. Those are hallmarks of warfare. Those, those are signs that I have brought a life to this earth. Things that we men cannot do. We as men cannot do. But women go through those pains. And their bodies go through changes. And as part of this, your marriage will be tested. Not only as far as, as that part, but the actual parenting test that I'm talking about. How you handle your children. Children can test your marriage and leave your house empty. And by the time you, you, they graduate, they leave you, you're alone. You, you, you were fighting for your children instead of fighting for your marriage. But when these children that you were fighting for grow up, they also leave you. You are left alone. You have no one to scratch your back because a back must be scratched. <laughs> when you grow older, one sees and the other one hears. That's how we partner. We partner. But when you are alone, you have to both see and hear. And therefore, you should never allow the rearing of children break your marriage. But that's not the teaching. I'm going to get into that. And the last test is aging test. Somebody say aging test. All marriages are tested by age. Age will test you. Age will test you. Age will test you. Will test you. Age will test you. And I've always taught how, what are the, the things that we pride ourselves in a marriage or in a relationship. A woman prides herself with her beauty. A man prides himself with his strength. We don't pride ourselves with our beauty. Beauty is not an issue to us. We don't even buy beauty. There's nothing beautiful about us. We are straight. We are simple. So beauty is not an issue to us. Our pride is our strength as a man. And these two areas are tested by age. The woman is tested in her beauty by age. As she looks herself in the mirror, she's no more as crispy as she used to look when she was 25. And she begins to lose part of her confidence less, unless she understands what we call self-identity. 
The same with a man. As you grow older, you lose your strength. You're no more as powerful as you used to be when you're 21. As a matter of fact, science says when you reach the age of 22, brother Mpo, 22. That's the plateau of your strength as a youth. From 22, it starts dropping. Hallelujah. From when? So that's the max. That's the, the climax of a young man's strength and his youth. But from there, it starts declining. It may, you may not feel it for a while. But the fact is the decline has begun. That the Mashiach. <laughs> you who like drinking things. <laughs> Hallelujah. I almost said Coke. I don't know what's the issue with Coke. Hallelujah. Somebody listening to me. And therefore, age will test you and will test your marriage. How you appreciate your spouse with the changes that age brings into the marriage. Is somebody listening? So if you see a marriage having lasted many years, you must know these people have lasted and have endured and have gone through. And it takes a lot of training, a lot of teaching such as this, that we train you to go through all these tests of life. To be able to hold each other's hand even when one of you does not have teeth anymore. That's what age will do. When I love, when I quember, I mean. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Somebody say, you will pass this way. You will pass this way. The reason why I include this slide is to ensure that everyone who's not paying attention begins to pay attention. That you will pass this way. Do not be like me in that flight that ignores the flight attendant. You will pass this way. You, you be, therefore be, better listen to teachings around relationships. Because as a young person, you pass this way. I, I was given this example many years ago of Zacchaeus, a, a man who was rich and he sought to see Jesus. Because of his stature, he was very short. And the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 19 verse 1 to 4, he sought to see Jesus and he climbed up on a sycamore tree to see him because he knew that Jesus will pass this way. And I'm saying to you there is a tree called relationships where the devil has climbed up to wait for you. We as what you am shy and um tandas. We as what you am shy and fasting. We as what you are tandas, you are cooler, we and bonkem acting is oblinda em shatwe. Gizoblinda could relationship. Gizoblinda ematandwin. If there is a place where saints are challenged, is relationships area. If there is a place where children of God are tested, is the relationship area. Do I have witnesses in this place? This is one area where the devil waits for us. We, de we better be equipped by the word of God. Uh, Albert Einstein says, gravitation is not responsible for people falling in love. Gravity is not responsible for people falling in love. And another man, George C. Lichtenberg, says, love is blind, but marriage restores its sight. Love is blind, but marriage will restore the sight thereof. Another man who is anonymous, he says, if love is a dream, then marriage is the alarm clock. And I want to take you through a few statistics to prove a few things before I teach the word. Um, and lay a foundation for the entire series. And I wanted to look at the following. So this morning is very technical and research-based and a lot of numbers. And I wanted to pay attention to the following. Number one, most suicides, up to 42% thereof, 
are due to relationship problems. Most suicides, most people who commit suicide, they do so because of problems that arise from relationships. Hey, in the relationship, relationships can make a man shoot the entire family and shoot himself and leave everything to no one. Like no one must eat the pension. The state will inherit everything. Everyone is gone because of the problem he had inside the bedroom. Relationships are not a small matter. No wonder we take time in this church and we teach the entire month because we believe this is one area where we need to be enlightened. And we don't even have to set aside and speak to the youth separately and speak to married people separately and speak to what what separately. We gather the entire church. You pick up what belongs to you throughout this series because this is one important area. Is somebody listening to me? Another study by, by Mark Kingley Oven, he says the following, first-time marriages have a, had, had a divorce rate of, of, of 42%, and this is in the U.S., not in South Africa. First-time marriages, when they did a study, they found that it had a 42% divorce rate, first-time marriages, first-time. Somebody say first-time. Yeah. These are people who are marrying for the first time, likely to divorce at about 42%. In other words, four out of every ten marriage for the first time is likely to divorce in that state. Four out of every ten marriages is li are likely to end up in divorce, but these are first-timers. But they studied further and discovered that, that those who try again, six out of ten are likely to divorce. And then those who try for the third time, it's even worse, seven out of ten. So the more you repeat, the more you fail in this test. It's a test where, where the more you repeat it, the more it beats you. The more experience you have, the less tolerance you have. I want you to get that. The more experience you get, the less tolerant you become. In other words, what you experience in the first marriage makes you less, less and less tolerant. When you see certain tendencies in the new marriage, you just want to walk out because he reminds you of Jimmy, what Jimmy did to you. You just want to get out quickly. You don't even want to understand because this man is doing exactly what that other man did. So the more experience you have, unless the grace of God intervenes, the less tolerant you become. And that's research. It's not the word of God, right? But research reflects on us human beings. Is somebody listening to me this morning? But this is one interesting part. Married younger, stayed longer. Married younger, stayed longer. Married younger, repeat that again. Married younger, stayed longer. There's a graph that my son um, put together for me, and I wanted to see this graph. I hope you understand graphs. That, that there is a relationship between age and tolerance in marriage or chances of divorce in marriage. The younger you are, the, the extremely younger you are, the higher the risk of divorce. The extremely, somebody say extremely younger. So, so you can see on the graph there, it's divorce and it's age. I wanted to even to draw it up for you. So if, if I was to draw it up for you, it's like this. So this side is what? It's age. And this side is the risk of divorce, right? The younger you are, let's say this is 10 years, this is 20 years. This is 30 years, this is 40, this is 50. So, 
the risk of divorce is higher when you are younger. But as you approach 20, it begins to what? Drop. And it kind of plateaus. But as you reach 40, it starts growing again and growing again. Look at this cup. Do you understand that cup? Those of you who've been to school, amen. Thank you for supporting and understanding with me. Right. So, if you look at that graph, and those of you who are online, you can see it also online. There's a graph for you. That a 15-year-old has the same risk of divorce, getting married, compared to a 50-year-old. They are quite the same. In other words, getting married at 15 is as risky as getting married at 50 for the first time. Did you learn something out of that? So there is a prime time for getting married. There is a, there's an ideal time for getting married. The, the reasons for which they are getting divorced are different. 15-year-olds, they get different for other reasons compared to the 50-year-olds. They don't share the same reasons. 50-year-olds have got their own problems. 15-year-olds have their own problems also. 15-year-olds is problems of immaturity. Problems of inexperience, problems of, of immaturity. There's no better way to put it. You are so immature. You are not ready for this. It requires a lot of emotional development to be at the stage where you can carry another life and be ready for a marriage. Therefore, a 15-year-old is likely not to make it in a marriage. But 50-year-olds, they're not dealing with the problems of 15-year-olds. They have their own issues, but they put, this puts them at the same risk of divorce as 15-year-olds. A 50-year-old is done with life. A 50-year-old has got their own way of doing things. Fifty-year-olds have got have got their own ways of of, of pressing the, the, the toothpaste. Some believe it must be pressed from below. And when our old men were fit, we press it from above. And men are only problem got the way we run the look at thing. So therefore, she has her own problem. And the tolerance levels are very, very, very minimal. Cannot tolerate certain things. So the older you get, the higher the risk of you not making it in marriage either. So there is an ideal time for getting married in this life. I hope you're listening. As, as it goes towards 40, it becomes more riskier unless the grace of God intervenes. Because everything I'm teaching can always be interrupted by grace. And by the knowledge of the word, God can always change the trajectory of, re, of, of research. But research helps us to know what are we human beings likely to do or how are we likely to behave in a certain setup. Is somebody understanding this part? So married younger, lasting longer. Those who married 25, those who married 21, 22, they, you find them making it, hey? They make it. Hallelujah. They make it. Tell your neighbor, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are the reasons that makes people who marry younger stay longer? Some of the reasons are the following. Number one, you grow together. You grow together. You grow together. You grow together. I, I know no other friend in my life than my wife. She's literally been with me almost most of my life. Actually, more than, 
than any other life of mine. So, so we grow up together. We have our own culture. We have our own way of saying things to each other. We have literally grown to be buddies through life. Is somebody listening? Number two, it's easier to combine your households when you are younger. It was so easy because we didn't even have anything. So it's easy to combine. She didn't have AMC by then. Didn't have all these fancy things by then. Lina, I didn't have anything fancy. So it was so easy to combine our things. But if I was to find her now, yo, yo, I don't know how was I going to get in there. Yeah. So it's easy to combine your households when you're young. Number three, your health is in a good shape. When you're young, your health is in a good state. You're able to, to fare well. You know, one of the tests that I didn't mention, which is also a serious test of a marriage, is health issues. Health issues. Health can really test your resilience and your commitment to your partner. What your partner goes through, whether you're willing to put up with that. And it takes a lot of things, and I'll teach about that later on. So, but when you are young, you are healthy, you are strong. You don't have the, hey, don't pull me too fast, I'm too slow. You don't have all those issues. You are young. You can, you can do anything. You can do things on a tree. You can climb on whatever. You can play when you are young. So it's so ideal to get married. You still have all your energy when you are young. Hallelujah. My wife knows me when I was young. She knows the young me. Hallelujah. Knows the young me. <laughs> so if later on in life some things begin to switch off, she will understand. That, you know what? I'm the one who finished whatever was. I'm the one who finished all that strength. But at least I was there. I saw all the strength. My wife used to have this beautiful body. Perfectest. Even my, my mother used to say, wow, what a body. Like perfectest of bodies you will ever find on earth. And, and, and with life as we begin to grow older, so I can know if anything happens to her body, I still remember the original. I remember the original. I've seen the original. I know what Muturi did to her. I know what Lizwi did to her. I know what Ntando did to her. And I said, okay, at least here's my big boys. And I'm so comfortable with whatever could have happened to her body. We grow old together. You don't want to ask, Lana be wenzenja anilapana. Lana hii ni wenzakali. So it's easier together when you're younger. Amen. I hope you're following this picture. Number four, you build together. You build together. You build together. I can never boast of anything that I have to my wife. Like nothing. There's nothing I can never stand and boast to her about. Why? Because we build together. It's not like when I was or when I We grew up together. She found me with nothing. I found her with nothing. And we grow up to be whatever we are today. So it's greater when you grow together. You build memories together. We even understand. We used to take each other to steers. That was our taking each other out. Steers was our restaurant. Yeah. When you're taken out, many things look like a book. Our menu is there, um, it's on the screen. Then, but I'm taking her out. And here I order thing. Hey, number four. <laughs> order number four, please. And I'm taking her out. But that's life. And we grew up together and we cherish those memories. 
of having grown up together and having been small and having nothing much. And, and that's so beautiful. So that's the beauty of growing together. You, grow, you build your empire together and you share your successes. One of the stats I needed also to share with you is stats about divorce. That in South Africa, you think divorce is that high. Actually, if you really study, you'll be amazed that divorce rate in South Africa is one of the lowest in the world. So we're not that bad as a country. About 20%, whereas some countries have 42 even to 50% of divorce rates. Give the Lord a hand for our country. And the highest risk of divorce is between four to nine years in our country. Between four to nine years. So in other words, at the age of four, I mean between four after getting married, if your marriage makes it between four and nine, you, you really have made it across most the highest risk where, where you could have divorced. Because most divorces happen between the, 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 the four to nine years of your marriage. Is somebody following? So if you really made it in that space... You, you stand a good chance. Amen. And I'm not saying if you're in that space, you, you, you're going to go through divorce. I'm saying the risk is very high based on research. Is somebody listening? And if you study further, you understand that of those who are divorcing, 44%, I mean, age, I mean, males are divorcing around 44 years. And women are divorcing around 40. So be careful. This, these ages are speaking. Hallelujah. And look at who files divorces most. Women, 51%. Men, 34%. So women want out, mostly. Women are the ones that says, I'm done with this thing. And I want to get out. Is somebody listening? And another step I wanted to see also, 44,4% didn't see their 10th anniversary. So that's why the four to nine years is very crucial. And 55% of them have got children. And it shows you how children are affected in divorces. And also talking about divorce, I also wanted to learn that 86% of unhappy couples that stick it out, they tend to be happy after five years or later. I want to repeat that. 86% of unhappy couples that stick it out turn out to be happily married five or more years later. In other words, we must learn to stick it out. You may be unhappy right now, but what makes you unhappy is not necessarily life-threatening. If you can hold on, you'll be amazed that actually what you are unhappy about is changeable and it's nothing. As a matter of fact, more than 80% of divorces are due to non-severe causes. Only 14% is due to severe causes. 80% are due to non-severe causes. In other words, things that don't really matter. Only 14% are things that matter. And the severe causes, we're talking about the three A's of divorce, which is abandonment, abuse, and adultery. Abandonment, abuse, and adultery. Those are severe causes. But other than that, the rest are divorcing for things that don't even count in those three. Just because, you know, we look over now, have we last week, I guess I'm back. Or mama, I would too much. For that reason, come divorce. So we're divorcing for a lot of minor things. And, and we are teaching this morning that if we can learn to hold each other's hand, we can go through whatever differences we have and make it through life. Listen to me, life is worth holding on to. Marriage is worth holding on to. Whatever pain you're in your marriage right now, I challenge you by the grace of God, hold on to that marriage. 
especially if you're a lady, hold on to that marriage. Grow your children. Because men have the privilege of going around and shopping for whatever they're shopping. And so in some cases, as ladies, we don't have that privilege. And if there's nothing severe in your marriage, do not file for that divorce. Go through counseling and let us help you find each other with your partner. Is somebody listening? And lastly, on social media, how social media contributes to divorces. I wanted to see the following. That social media is a cost factor that was not there many years ago. And right now we're dealing with social media that interferes with our marriage. One in three, this is according to McKinley Ivan, one in three divorces start as online affairs. 25% of couples, they fight about Facebook at least once a week. One in seven married people have contemplated divorce because of their partner's social media activity. Four, one in five feel uneasy about their relationship after discovering something on their partner's Facebook account. Five, Facebook is the number one source for online divorce evidence. Facebook. Ninantanama inbox. 81% of divorce attorneys have used or encountered evidence obtained from social media. And of late, social media is even used in murder cases in court. That's how much social media is part of our lives. But look at it from a divorce point of view. And finally, 14% of adults say that they look through their partner's social media and accounts for evidence of infidelity. So if you want the, they want to see infidelity, they would use social media. Social media is now a causative factor in making people not live together for many years. Is somebody listening this morning? But however, I also want to point out too that most of us are not making it in marriages or in relationships because of skills, lack of skills for relationships. Relationships require skills. You got to be trained. This thing that we're doing with you in this month, we're training you. We're imparting skills to you. We're trying to help you to know that marriage is not about just prayer. I'm just going to pray about it. I'm going to pray. You also need to be skilled about it. There are certain things you need to be learned, to be taught in. I had to learn how to live with my wife. She had to learn how to live with me. She had to acquire certain skills. Somebody say skills. There's a term called romantic competence. Romantic competence. And when you think romantic competence, you would think it's talking about how to do things in the bedroom. It's actually talking about the ability to function adaptively across all areas of relationship processes. The ability to function adaptively across all areas of the relationship process. From figuring out what you need to building a healthy relationship to also learning when to get out when things are not healthy. All of that requires a skill. Somebody say a skill. You would be amazed that the most important skill you need in this world is relationship skill. If I was to put it in scientific terms, it's what we call human relations skills. If you can't relate to human beings, you will never make money on this earth. Your money is based on the fact how well can you relate to other humans, let alone one that you have to live with every day. It's better talking about humans that you see for eight hours at work, but how much more a human that you have to sleep with every day of your life, wake up with every day of your life, 
go to work or whatever places together with that human. And therefore, it requires a lot of skills. Your love life is a function of skills. Hallelujah. Why do successful people fail at love? She is an executive at ASCOM, but she has no boyfriend. He is a director of a certain company, but he has no wife. Successful in career, but failed dismally in love. Very brilliant. You can present skills. You can present any paper. You can do anything. Very well taught, but you're not taught in love affairs. You don't know how to live with a woman because a woman is a machine. And it's a complicated machine. And unless you're taught how to live with that machine, Peter puts it, he says, you must live with them with understanding. Unless you have the manual, my brother, this machine is complicated. But I would think, think that, that not only is a woman a machine, a man is another machine. A very complicated machine for that matter. And unless you're taught on how to handle yourself around a man, you'll always fail. Because there's a certain demeanor as a man, woman, especially in dating faces, when you bring that demeanor of yourself that makes men intimidated and feel unappreciated. Especially when you take control and you want to lead. That turns a man away. So you've got to learn how to make yourself so susceptible and so weak, even though you know you're so strong. You, you make yourself as if you don't know what to press, but you know what, everything that is to press, Joy. You're so technical, but you just, you just behave as if you don't know. You know, you, you, you're driving with your, your partner or your fiancé on the highway. You are the first one to jump out and change the spare wheel before he even jumps out. I mean, you make the guy feel like, you, <laughs> no, more girl is gone, more. So therefore... <laughs> You got to learn the skills of what to apply where and how. And not be everything at the wrong place. Skill. Love is about skill. Somebody say skill. As much as we don't take love seriously, but I want to tell you now, your bedroom life can affect your boardroom life. Men who are miserable in their bedroom sometimes don't make it in the boardroom as well. Bedroom can affect the boardroom. It's because God has wired you to operate from love. When you feel good and you feel love, you can do anything in the world. Not the other way around. Is somebody listening to me? Therefore, I want you to learn that in this marriage thing, you need to be trained and you need to have a proper learning and licensing. As a matter of fact, marriage is the only license that you obtain before you even write the test. That's why a lot of us are colliding and a lot of us are having accidents in marriage because we obtain a license, you have a marriage certificate for which you did not train. Yet for you to get a driver's license, you have to be trained and taught and checked and be certified, qualified in order to, for you to get it. But marriage is the only place where we are qualified before we even get in. And one of the difficulties that men are having of late, I told you today I'll be technical, amen. And in week three, I'll be very scriptural, but I have to lay this foundation. Amen. Have to lay this foundation. So, you, so not little amens today, but I'm fine. This is teaching. I'm okay. Got to teach, amen. Men are having a problem in our age on how to relate to women because times have changed.
Over the years, originally, it used to be an agrarian society from agricultural age, and then we moved to industrial age, those of you who know these things. And then from there, we moved to information age, where we come from, where computers were invented and cell phones began to be in this space. And, and, and because of the evolution of industry, the role of a man and a woman have now begun to interchange. More and more women are no more in the kitchen and also nursing babies. Have, they have now moved into the working space. An average lady has found work and has found reason to be independent, no longer need and require the affirmation of a man and be taken care of by a man. An average lady can take care of herself, can do literally everything that a man can do except certain things that they cannot do. But professionally, women can do everything. What does this mean? It means that as a man, you can no longer rely on the fact that you're driving a car and you can propose because you have a car. It means that for you can no longer boast around as a man and say, I want you to be my wife because I want to take care of you. That has been thrown out of the window. You've got to have a new proposition. You've got to have a find, find a new meaning to what this last thing is all about. You can no longer rely on the fact that you were an overcome. Because even the ladies are working. Even the ladies are taking care of themselves. As a matter of fact, you find a woman who earns more than you do. Therefore, you've got to know who you are. Therefore, self-identity becomes very important more than the things that you own. Knowing and understanding the value of a man. You may not have money, but you have what it calls, it's called a man. That baritone voice that a woman does not have. Those muscles that women don't have. But also as a lady, you know that there are things that you have that men don't have. Therefore, we need to find each other at the areas of need and we can no longer rely on our achievements and our certificates to impress each other. We've got to find ourselves and find each other at the level of love, the refined level of love. Put our achievements aside and find each other. Therefore, talking about skills, you need to know how to behave around the opposite, especially during dating. Dating is a tactic game. You need to understand how to behave. Most of us are failing at love simply because we don't know what to say at the right time. We're saying wrong things at wrong places. We're behaving wrongly at wrong places. We need to understand that love is a tactic and we need to be trained at it. Somebody Is somebody listening this morning? Therefore, avoid certain tendencies that will repel the opposite sex when you're dating. Such as, if I was to talk to ladies first, I talk about the, the, the queen tendencies. Queen tendencies. Queen. Queen. The five queens that you must avoid as a lady. Five queen tendencies that you must avoid. First one, a diva queen. Avoid being a diva queen around your potential somebody when you are with them. Pulling out all your divaness. <laughs> Demanding. And you are so spoiled. You must come and fetch me. I cannot come, I cannot do this. No, I can't. You talk a lot about yourself. You set very high standards about yourself. Standards that don't even exist in your own space. Simply because Papa or somebody, you are now putting up certain standards that even you yourself can't cope with. Diva tendencies. But you're looking to get this guy. 
The second queen is a drama queen. Very dramatic about everything. Everything is just drama. You just drama. Drama. And I'm done. I want to suck food when already drama queen. Even if you're a drama baby, especially last borns at home. I teach about this during counseling. We ask you at home, are you a lastborn or are you firstborn? Because dealing with a firstborn is one issue and also dealing with the lastborn is another. Dating a lastborn is a whole lot of work on its own. Amen, lastborns. Because at home you are so demanding. You get whatever you want. And you come with those tendencies in a dating setup, you lose the guy in one day. Acquire skills in this teaching. Learn what to do and what not to do. The third queen is a controller queen. Controller queen. No, no. No, no. No, no. No, no. No, no. No, no. You know, like the guy begins to say, I'm marrying a mother here. I'm marrying my mother here and I'm not coming. Men are looking for a partner and a supportive spouse and not their mother. Therefore, your controller queen tendencies will chase him away. Number four, the stalker queen. Ugo Kai. Kupela video call. Kibo mangba babulelanka mumarahaha. I want to see. I want to see. Okay, bye. Two minutes later, hi baby, are you fine, baby? The same lady is calling you again, asking you if you're fine. Ten minutes later, no, I was just checking you, baby. And the guy is at work. The guy has things to do. You turn away a very potential good guy because you're too much talking. Learn to trust. Number five, the slay queen tendencies. You don't have money, but you're portraying a very expensive lifestyle. Borrowing all sorts of things from your friends in order to impress a guy. That alone is a big turn off. And these are things that ladies need to learn not to bring into relationship. I like Amy C. Amy C writes about five things as well that turn men away. Five things that turn men away. Acting like a high maintenance diva. I've mentioned the diva tendencies already. Number two, bringing up I like this one. Bringing up what are we conversation? We just two weeks into the relationship. Already you're asking what are we? Like moena. Like you you are two weeks in the relationship. Already she wants to know who, who am I? And the guy is still trying to know you. The guy is still trying to find out. What creature is this? When you already want him to confess, what are we? Ladies, be watchful of that phrase. It can turn a man away. Because it makes you sound desperate. Whereas the guy is trying to know you. Sometimes it may take him a year to understand you. And to commit, it takes time. Take your time and not rush him. Number three, things that turn men away, you don't have your own life going on. You don't have no life going on. You are very needy. Anything we run, we met in that door for nearly. Even like we met in the house, we're talking. 
And the guy is at work. The guy has targets. The guy has got things to be achieved. The guy has a vision. He's busy. When you want to be laughed the whole day. Oh, I want for Nella in the last hour. Please. Because you have nothing of yourself going on. And the guy will run away. The guy will run away. Number, number four. You put more energy in looking pretty than in being interesting. Put more energy in decorating yourself than in decorating the inner person. It actually goes well with number five. You cannot carry out, carry any quality conversation. Like, I want content. Content, I eat you. I want any the guy is looking for a partner to engage with, talking with you. We'll talk about this in the next course in three weeks' time when we talk about compatibility. So you, you have to be emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually compatible. You've got to be able to carry out conversations at all those levels. When the guy is trying to converse with you, when And some of the things you need to learn when going out on your first date is what I call table manners and dating etiquette. Things to order, not to order in your first date. Number one, ordering things you don't know. Because we're not ukrele loto. For the first time, you're being taken out and here you are, you're ordering things you don't even know. But I'm to Papachino Kapalas. no, Papachino Kapalas, You don't even know what it is. The next thing it comes, you don't eat. And the guy is looking at you, he's footing the bill. You're ordering things that you don't even eat. Next one is ordering expensive drinks. Drinks that you yourself can't afford and you don't order when you are alone. But simply because you've been taken out, you are now ordering. It's like, ordering expensive drinks. Expensive wines that you yourself don't afford. And you hope the guy will come back. Oh, shame it. After he drops you in case you don't have a car. <laughs> Who deleted the nomoro? Well, blocker. For two weeks, the guy is nowhere to be found. It all has to do with our menace. Being difficult to the waiter and the waitress. And I've seen those tendencies. Poor waitress brings you the menu that or the meal that you ordered. I'll say, wait. No, my steak is not done the proper way. Take the steak and butter my boss, change the steak. We have another order. You know, being very dramatic and very choosy and very diverish. And the guy is watching. Next one, eating too much. <laughs> eating too much and a date. It's like it's your first time you see food. Especially if it's a buffet. 
You're going to have skills around this thing. You're going to behave like a, a queen and a princess around this thing. You can't just carry yourself around anyhow. So when you know this is a date, even when you are hungry, act like you're full. Act like you're so full. And how would you do Everything that you are hungry for. Yeah, you were so hungry, man. <laughs> but that time you are alone. But when you're with this guy, you act like, you know what? You're actually full. Or the other way around, eat before you go to the date. The only thing you must not do, don't eat a lot of beans. Avoid beans before you go to a date. Because you're going to have issues. Avoid eating bones. Those of you who like bone chewing. Some giving you skills on how to behave. Nobody misbehaves in a date. Unless you don't understand what a date is. Last one, getting drunk on a date. That's even worse. It should never even be mentioned amongst us who are born again. But there are people who even go to a point of being drunk on a date. And you hope the guy will ever call you again. Learn these skills. But I want to talk about guys as well. Again, Ten things that ten girl, girls away. Number one, you always have forgotten your wallet and can't pay. But when you were eating, you did not forget to eat. Acting like a cheap guy and also being very cheapy. Everything is cheap. I mean, everything is so cheap about you because you're trying to save. I mean, the woman is like, oh my God, is this guy going to take care of my kids? Number two, you're always changing numbers. Pastor Geek. I know you always have one number. Ladies, be aware of a guy whose numbers change every month. That says a lot about his character. Reliability and consistency and stability are not his portion. Number three, you're listening, Vincent? I know, I know your numbers change a lot. I'm joking, I'm joking. Number three, he can't show you where he stays. Can't show you where he stays. But you can't really tell where he stays. And this man hopes to bring you home one day. Number four, demanding the deed too soon. And this is guys mostly. Demanding the deed too soon. I want you to prove one rat. If you are a child of God and you listen to me, or also my daughter, listen to me, red flag. You must know, guys, they're either playing with you or planning for you. And you are in one of the two. And a sign that he's playful is the fact that he demands the deed too soon. Number five. Actually, number four, is it five? Yeah. Calling and texting too much. That's a turn off for a lot of girls. It's talking tennis is basically. Number six, too much compliments. Like too much. 
Compliments are good on a lady, but not too much of it because it ends up being cheap. So there's, there's enough of compliments. Oh, I like your hair. And then we're in the lift. Oh, I like your hair again. And then we're in the car. Oh, I like your hair. That's an overkill. Is it number six? Space invader. As a gentleman, know how to keep your space, especially if you're still trying to get this woman. Do not talk too close to her. Do not cramp her space. Trying to prove your love. Keep that space. It's very important. Observe personal bubble, yes. Number seven or eight, Mr. Serious. The lady's trying to have fun. You're too serious. It's like her father took her out. Being too serious in a date is a turn off for, for some of the ladies. You need to learn to loosen up. Because I want to know you. And the only way to know you is to play with you. So when you're too, you're Mr. Serious, everything is offensive. <laughs> I mean, poor lady is already so intimidated by your face. Like she was quaking a joke and you, you, you're already offended. And everything is offensive to you because you're Mr. Serious. That's a big turn off. But here's one, the last but one. Mr. Show Off. My baby, I'm going to come to Ferreria, Kakitlulata. Even like Tamaga, it's very Hugo Boss, Yaka. The moment he talks these things, and, and then you must come and see my what, what, and this is what I've achieved. And, and, and you know, a genuine man, you will never know what he has. You will be shocked that, wow, is this also what you own? And he says, no, no, don't worry. He doesn't even talk about it. But one that brings forth his achievements and his accolades and, his, uh, and the things that he owns, you must, you must be careful. Because you're going to become one of those properties. You're going to become one of those properties. And the last one, things that turn off a woman, bad manners. Bad manners. You are on a date, you're forever busy on your phone. Uh, 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 Joe, you know what? Um, yeah, we got to have a meeting first thing in the morning, and you must tell Joe that you know what he's got to take care of that. He must be careful about yo. You know that machine is very expensive, and uh, you know, hey, and the boss, you know, don't, remind me of that. You know, okay, another call. Hey, so a chief, chief, and the lady is sitting there for an hour. You are busy with your things on your phone. It's almost as if what what was the whole point of bringing me here on a date? And you are so. Busy with your phone. But here's the part about manners. How you treat the waitress as a gentleman says a lot to the lady you're trying to date. And you're watching as lady. I told you the other day how he treats any other woman signals to you how he will treat you. You are not an exception. You are not an exception. He may be smiling at you because you are the special one for a few months. But whatever he does to other women, he will do to you. And therefore, check how he treats other human beings, especially the waitress, the driver, the people that, that we tend to think they're small and are not that important. Those people are the most important and they give you clues on how this man will treat you. And therefore, how you treat these people can be a tenor for ladies. Gentlemen, you're listening. And these are the things that women find very attractive in a man. 
older and matured. And sometimes older does not mean much if there's no maturity. Older and matured. More women are more attracted to someone who's older and someone who shows signs of maturity. Number two, I don't know why women like beards these days. Well-groomed beards. If you have a beard, take care of that beard. Trim it nicely. Let it have direction. It's kind of like kilon, lon high. I not direction. Number three. Number three. Good bodily order. If you're gonna have a date, smell good. Invest in your smell, brother. One of the most important investments in this life is how you smell. Your smell is everything about you. If there's one thing you must never allow yourself to walk amongst any human being is natural order. And therefore, as a gentleman, learn how to carry yourself. Mind your bodily order. Mind even your breath. Brothers, mind your breath, brothers. If you have a friend, ask your friend, how do I smell? And let your friend be honest with you. Because that lady may not return simply because there are certain things she tasted and she's scared to tell you. So the only thing she can do is to run away. Hallelujah. Things that attract a lady to a gentleman, kindness and selflessness. He's so kind. He's so selfless. Don't worry, I'm going to take you home. And I will wait for you. You know, be careful about a guy who drops you at your gate and drives off. Whilst you're staying, Sophie! <laughs> Sophie! <laughs> and the guy is gone. Those are signals. Those are signs that he really does not care much. But a gentleman will drop you at your gate, wait for you to get in, and even watches you walking into the door, and he says, bye, and then he walks away. Those are signs of someone who really cares and is selfless. Number four, number five, the good first impression. Good first impression. Things that women lack in a man, good first impression. In a date, make sure your shoes are properly polished in good order. In a good, you don't have to look expensive, but look decent. Look like someone who does care about how they look. So, when you are dating, you got to learn how to impress your partners. It's an impressive game, it's an impression game. Is somebody listening to me? Your good first impression is very important. Don't be clumsy, especially shoes. Shoes are very important to girls. Oh, and the belt. And the belt. And the last one that impresses ladies is your laughter. Your sense of humor. Do not be too serious all the time. And all the time, what is serious? jokes around you. Everything must be serious. I like the way Dr. A.R. Bernard puts it. My time is actually up and I won't finish my teaching today. He speaks about four things that women want out of a man. Four things 
that men struggle to have and four things that women are looking for and four things that men don't have and are struggling to have and they really need to have but they don't have and these are things that women need. Number one, decisiveness. I see that with my wife all the time. She'll ask me, what time are we leaving tomorrow? And I always don't know. <laughs> I always don't know. Hey, I want to plan my things. What time are we leaving tomorrow? And I always say, we will see when we wake up. <laughs> if we wake up at four, we go at four. <laughs> if we wake up at five, we go at five. And, and women are decisive and they want a man who is decisive. When are we getting married? I want to plan my life. Obviously, that's not two weeks in a relationship. I'm talking about two years later. You really begin to want to be, no, the guy must decide. Are you, what is your decision? So decisiveness is important. Somebody say decisiveness. You must be a decisive man. Number two, maturity. Maturity is not a function of age. Age is simply an opportunity that life has given you to mature, but it's not a guarantee that you're matured. I've met 45-year-olds who behave like 20-year-olds. You could be 45, but you are sleeping half the day. That means you are actually 21. Because you half the time you are asleep, you have nothing to do. So age is not a function. It is not necessarily a reflection of your maturity. And maturity is how much responsibility do you take? You see maturity in a man by how much responsibility can assume. If you impregnate a girl, you take responsibility. That's maturity. Even though you're 20, when you say, yes, I'm the one, we slept with Sophie, and that baby is my baby, even though I'm a child, I will take care of that baby. That's maturity. When you say, I am responsible. Maturity. When you speak the language of the matured, is somebody listening to me? Ladies are looking for maturity. Oh, he's so mature. I like the way he speaks to me. I like the way he respects me. Very attractive to a lady. Number three, consistency. 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 Your word is your deed. What you say is what you do. That is attractive to a lady. And you're consistent. You're not on and off. You mean what you say. And you are a man who means what he says. That is attractive to ladies. And they require that. And number four, Dr. Bernard says, is strength. Somebody say strength. You are not a weakly, you are not a sissy. You are a strong man. Because women, the number one need of a woman is security. Security. And when we say security, we're not only speaking physical security, but we're speaking about Security love. I want to be secure. I want my own place. I want to be in my own space. I want to know that I'm the only one that, are, that matters in your life. I, I'm the only queen in your heart. Therefore, you know, I said the other day, a woman does not mind to be put in a shack and be told this is your shack as long as she knows that she is the owner of that shack and she shares it with no one and she can raise her family in privacy knowing very well she is the queen of that house. That's what she requires, consistency, but also security. That's what she needs. Is somebody listening to me? She needs also your strength as a man. Are you strong? Can you handle storms of life? Not one that keeps coming running, oh, so, you know, you know. 
And when there's a man knocking at the door, and then she begins to wonder who is the man here and therefore we got to be strong and we teach about strength and if time allows us we teach what it is to be a strong man a man has to be strong even, thing, even when things are not okay you tell your wife it's going to be okay you're not the one who says hey, I don't know what's going to happen you tell guys it's going to be okay that's the job of a captain. Even though you know the ship is sinking, you say, let's say, gentlemen, we're going through some turbulences, but it's going to be okay. You know very well it's sinking, but you, you say it's going to be okay. Strength. And much of that we get from the word of God. If you're not a man who is grounded in the word, where are you going to get your strength? So you grow into friendship. And number four, he says, is fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. From, from friendship, you move into fellowship. You begin to spend time together. You begin to, to know each other through dinners, through fellowships, through going to church, through group dating and all sorts of sporting, uh, fellowshipping and spending time to each other. And from there, he says, you then move to commitment before you have intimacy. Most people jump from introduction to intimacy. That's why they're heartbroken. It was just introduction, and then you gave him everything. You don't even know who to just It was just a one-night excitement. From introduction, he fell. So these stages are meant to protect you, so that by the time anything arises, because intimacy has got its own issues. And I'm going to teach about that in a few weeks to come. So you move from introduction to acquaintance and from acquaintance to friendship and from friendship to fellowship and from fellowship to commitment. Commit. And thereafter you move to intimacy. I think today we're going to stop right there. I did not even get a time to begin to open the word, read some scriptures with you. But it is well. We're being taught the word. Give the Lord a hand. Amen.